0: section fifteen of the ingoldsby legends first series this lievervox recording is in the public domain the ingoldsby legends first series by richard harris barham section fifteen the apartment itself had something strange in its appearance and in the character of its furniture and appurtenances bore little or no resemblance to any i had ever seen before the fireplace was large and wide with a pair of what are sometimes called andirons, betokening that wood was the principal, if not the only fuel consumed within its recess. A fierce fire was now blazing in it, the light from which rendered visible the remotest parts of the chamber. Over a lofty old-fashioned mantelpiece, carved heavily in imitation of fruits and flowers, hung the half-length portrait of a gentleman in a dark-coloured foreign habit, with a peaked beard and moustaches, one hand resting upon a table, the other supporting a sort of baton, or short military staff, the summit of which was surmounted by a silver falcon. Several antique chairs, similar in appearance to those already mentioned, surrounded a massive oaken table, the length of which much exceeded its width. At the lower end of this piece of furniture stood the chair I occupied, on the upper was placed a small chafing-dish filled with burning coals and darting forth occasionally long flashes of various-coloured fire the brilliance of which made itself visible even above the strong illumination emitted from the chimney two huge black japanned cabinets with clawed feet reflecting from their polished surfaces the effulgence of the flame were placed one on each side the casement window, to which I have alluded, and with a few shelves loaded with books, many of which were also strewed in disorder on the floor, completed the list of the furniture in the apartment. Some strange-looking instruments of unknown form and purpose lay on the table near the chafing-dish, on the other side of which a miniature portrait of myself hung, reflected by a small oval mirror, In a dark-coloured frame, while a large open volume, traced with strange characters of the colour of blood, lay in front. A goblet containing a few drops of liquid of the same ensanguined hue was by its side, but of the objects which I have endeavoured to describe none arrested my attention so forcibly as two others. These were the figures of two young men in the prime of life, only separated from me by the table. They were dressed alike, each in a long flowing gown, made of some sad-coloured stuff, and confined at the waist by a crimson girdle. One of them, the shorter of the two, was occupied in feeding the embers of the chafing dish with a resinous powder, which produced and maintained a brilliant but flickering blaze, to the action of which his companion was exposing a long lock of dark chestnut hair, that shrank and shrivelled as it approached the flame. But oh God, that hair, and the form of him who held it, that face, those features, not for one instant could I entertain a doubt. It was he, Francis. The lock he grasped was mine, the very pledge of affection I had given him, and still, as it partially encountered the fire, a burning heat seemed to scorch the temple from which it had been taken conveying a torturing sensation that affected my very brain how shall i proceed but no it is impossible not even to you sir can i dare i recount the proceedings of that unhallowed night of horror and of shame were my life extended to a term commensurate with that of the patriarchs of old never could its detestable its damning pollutions be effaced from my remembrance And, oh, above all, never could I forget the diabolical glee which sparkled in the eyes of my fiendish tormentors as they witnessed the worse-than-useless struggles of their miserable victim. Oh, why was it not permitted me to take refuge in unconsciousness, nay, in death itself, from the abominations of which I was compelled to be not only a witness, but a partaker? But it is enough, sir. I will not further shock your nature by dwelling longer on a scene, the full horrors of which words, if I even dared employ any, would be inadequate to express. Suffice it to say, that after being subjected to it, how long I knew not, but certainly for more than an hour, a noise from below seemed to alarm my persecutors. A pause ensued, the lights were extinguished and, as the sound of a footstep ascending a staircase became more distinct, my forehead felt again the excruciating sensation of heat, while the embers kindling into a momentary flame betrayed another portion of the ringlet consuming in the blaze. Fresh agonies succeeded, not less severe, and of a similar description to those which had seized upon me at first. Oblivion again followed and on being at length restored to consciousness I found myself as you see me now, faint and exhausted, weakened in every limb, and every fibre quivering with agitation. My groans soon brought my sister to my aid. It was long before I could summon resolution to confide even to her the dreadful secret, and when I had done so her strongest efforts were not wanting to persuade me that i had been labouring under a severe attack of nightmare i ceased to argue but i was not convinced the whole scene was then too present too awfully real to permit me to doubt the character of the transaction and if when a few days had elapsed the hopelessness of imparting to others the conviction i entertained myself produced in me an apparent acquiescence with their opinion I have never been the less satisfied that no cause reducible to the known laws of nature occasioned my sufferings on that hellish evening. Whether that firm belief might have eventually yielded to time, whether I might at length have been brought to consider all that had passed, and the circumstances which I could never cease to remember, as a mere phantasm, the offspring of a heated imagination, acting upon an enfeebled body. I know not. Last night, however, would in any case have dispelled the flattering illusion. Last night. Last night was the whole horrible scene acted over again. The place, the actors, the whole infernal apparatus were the same. The same insults, the same torments, the same brutalities. All were renewed save that the period of my agony was not so prolonged. I became sensible to an incision in my arm, though the hand that made it was not visible. At the same moment my persecutors paused. They were manifestly disconcerted, and the companion of him, whose name shall never more pass my lips, muttered something to his abettor in evident agitation. The formula of an oath of horrible import was dictated to me in terms fearfully distinct. I refused it unhesitatingly. Again and again was it proposed, with menaces I trembled to think on, but I refused. The same sound was heard, interruption was evidently apprehended, the same ceremony was hastily repeated, and I again found myself released, lying on my own bed with my mother and my sister weeping over me o oh god o oh god when and how is this to end when will my spirit be left in peace where or with whom shall i find refuge it is impossible to convey any adequate idea of the emotions with which this unhappy girl's narrative affected me It must not be supposed that her story was delivered in the same continuous and uninterrupted strain in which I have transcribed its substance. On the contrary, it was not without frequent intervals, of longer or shorter duration, that her account was brought to a conclusion. Indeed, many passages of her strange dream were not without the greatest difficulty and reluctance communicated at all. My task was no easy one never in the course of a long life spent in the active duties of my Christian calling, never had I been summoned to such a conference before. To the half-avowed and palliated confession of committed guilt I had often listened, and pointed out the only road to secure its forgiveness. I had succeeded in cheering the spirit of despondency, and sometimes even in calming the ravings of despair, But here I had a different enemy to combat, an ineradicable prejudice to encounter, evidently backed by no common share of superstition, and confirmed by the mental weakness attendant upon severe bodily pain. To argue the sufferer out of an opinion, so rooted, was a hopeless attempt. I did, however, essay it. I spoke to her of the strong and mysterious connection maintained between our waking images, and those which haunt us in our dreams and more especially during that morbid oppression commonly called nightmare i was even enabled to adduce myself as a strong and living instance of the excess to which fancy sometimes carries her freaks on those occasions while by an odd coincidence the impression made upon my own mind which i adduced as an example bore no slight resemblance to her own i stated to her that on my recovery from the fit of epilepsy which had attacked me about two years since just before my grandson frederick left oxford it was with the greatest difficulty i could persuade myself that i had not visited him during the interval in his rooms at brazenose and even conversed with himself and his friend w seated in his armchair and gazing through the window full upon the statue of Cain, as it stands in the center of the quadrangle. I told her of the pain I underwent both at the commencement and termination of my attack, of the extreme lassitude that succeeded, but my efforts were all in vain. She listened to me, indeed with an interest almost breathless especially when i informed her of my having actually experienced the very burning sensation in the brain alluded to no doubt a strong attendant symptom of this peculiar affection and a proof of the identity of the complaint but i could plainly perceive that i failed entirely in shaking a rooted opinion which possessed her that her spirit had by some nefarious and unhallowed means been actually subtracted for a time from its earthly tenement the next extract which i shall give from my old friend's memoranda is dated august twenty fourth more than a week subsequent to his first visit at mrs graham's he appears from his papers to have visited the poor young woman more than once during the interval and to have afforded her those spiritual consolations which no one was more capable of communicating. His patient, for so in a religious sense she may well be termed, had been sinking under the agitation she had experienced, and the constant dread she was under of similar sufferings operated so strongly on a frame already enervated that life at length seemed to hang only by a thread. His papers go on to say, I have just seen poor Mary Graham, I fear for the last time. Nature is evidently quite worn out. She is aware that she is dying and looks forward to the termination of her existence here, not only with resignation but with joy. It is clear that her dream, or what she persists in calling her subtraction, has much to do with this. For the last three days, her behaviour has been altered. She has avoided conversing on the subject of her delusion and seems to wish that i should consider her as a convert to my view of her case this may perhaps be partly owing to the flippancies of her medical attendant upon the subject for mr i has somehow or other got an inkling that she has been much agitated by a dream and thinks to laugh off the impression in my opinion injudiciously but though a skilful and a kind-hearted he is a young man and of a disposition, perhaps, rather too mercurial for the chamber of a nervous invalid. Her manner has since been much more reserved to both of us, in my case probably because she suspects me of betraying her secret. August 26th Mary Graham is yet alive, but sinking fast. Her cordiality towards me has returned since her sister confessed yesterday that she had herself told Mr. I that his patient's mind had been affected by a terrible vision. I am evidently restored to her confidence. She asked me this morning, with much earnestness, what I believed to be the state of departed spirits during the interval between dissolution and the final day of account, and whether I thought they would be safe in another world from the influence of wicked persons employing an agency more than human poor child one cannot mistake the prevailing bias of her mind poor child august twenty seventh it is nearly over she is sinking rapidly but quietly and without pain i have just administered to her the sacred elements of which her mother partook elizabeth declined doing the same She cannot, she says, yet bring herself to forgive the villain who has destroyed her sister. It is singular that she, a young woman of good plain sense in ordinary matters, should so easily adopt and so pertinaciously retain a superstition so puerile and ridiculous. This must be matter of a future conversation between us. At present, with the form of the dying girl before her eyes, it were vain to argue with her. The mother, I find, has written to young Somers, stating the dangerous situation of his affianced wife. Indignant as she justly is at his long silence, it is fortunate that she has no knowledge of the suspicions entertained by her daughter. I have seen her letter. It is addressed to Mr. Francis Summers, in the Hogevert at Leiden, a fellow student, then, of Frederick's. I must remember to inquire if he is acquainted with this young man. Mary Graham, it appears, died the same night. Before her departure she repeated to my friend the singular story she had before told him, without any material variation from the detail she had formerly given. To the last she persisted in believing that her unworthy lover had practiced upon her by forbidden arts. She once more described the apartment with great minuteness, and even the person of France's alleged companion, who was she said, about the middle height, hard-featured, with a rather remarkable scar upon his left cheek, extending in a transverse direction from below the eye to the nose. Several pages of my reverend friend's manuscript are filled with reflections upon this extraordinary confession which joined with its melancholy termination, seems to have produced no common effect upon him. He alludes to more than one subsequent discussion with the surviving sister, and piques himself on having made some progress in convincing her of the folly of her theory respecting the origin and nature of the illness itself. His memoranda on this and other subjects are continued till about the middle of September, when a break ensues occasioned no doubt by the unwelcome news of his grandson's dangerous state which induced him to set out forthwith for holland his arrival at Leiden was as i have already said too late frederick s had expired after thirty hours intense suffering from a wound received in a duel with a brother student the cause of quarrel was variously related but according to his landlord's version it had originated in some silly dispute about a dream of his antagonists who had been the challenger such at least was the account given to him as he said by frederick's friend and fellow lodger w who had acted as second on the occasion thus acquitting himself of an obligation of the same kind due to the deceased whose services he had put in requisition about a year before on a similar occasion when he had himself been severely wounded in the face. From the same authority I learned that my poor friend was much affected on finding that his arrival had been deferred too long. Every attention was shown him by the proprietor of the house, a respectable tradesman, and a chamber was prepared for his accommodation. The books and few effects of his deceased grandson were delivered over to him, duly inventoried and late as it was in the evening when he reached Leiden, he insisted on being conducted immediately to the apartments which Frederick had occupied, there to indulge the first abolitions of his sorrows, before he retired to his own. Madame Miller accordingly led the way to an upper room, which being situated at the top of the house, had been from its privacy and distance from the street selected by Frederick as his study. The doctor entered, and taking the lamp from his conductress, motioned to be left alone. His implied wish was of course complied with, and nearly two hours had elapsed before his kind-hearted hostess reascended, in the hope of prevailing upon him to return with her, and partake of that refreshment which he had in the first instance peremptorily declined. Her application for admission was unnoticed. She repeated it more than once without success, then, becoming somewhat alarmed at the continued silence, opened the door and perceived her new inmate stretched on the floor in a fainting fit. Restoratives were instantly administered, and prompt medical aid succeeded at length in restoring him to consciousness, but his mind had received a shock from which, during the few weeks he survived, it never entirely recovered. His thoughts wandered perpetually, and though from the very slight acquaintance which his hosts had with the English language, the greater part of what fell from him remained unknown, yet enough was understood to induce them to believe that something more than the mere death of his grandson had contributed thus to paralyse his faculties. When his situation was first discovered, a small miniature was found tightly grasped in his right hand. It had been the property of Frederick, and had more than once been seen by the Millers in his possession. To this the patient made continued reference, and would not suffer it one moment from his sight. It was in his hand when he expired. At my request it was produced to me. The portrait was that of a young woman, in an English morning dress, whose pleasing and regular features, with their mild and somewhat pensive expression, were not, I thought, altogether unknown to me. Her age was apparently about twenty. A profusion of dark chestnut hair was arranged in the Madonna style, above a brow of unsullied whiteness, a single ringlet depending on the left side, a glossy lock of the same color, and evidently belonging to the original, appeared beneath a small crystal, inlaid in the back of the picture which was plainly set in gold, and bore in a cipher the letters M.G., with the date 18-blank. From the inspection of this portrait I could at the time collect nothing, nor from that of the doctor himself, which also I found the next morning in Frederick's desk, accompanied by two separate portions of hair. One of them was a lock, short and deeply tinged with grey, and had been taken, I have little doubt, from the head of my old friend himself. The other corresponded in color and appearance with that at the back of the miniature. It was not till a few days had elapsed, and I had seen the worthy doctor's remains quietly consigned to the narrow house, that while arranging his papers previous to my intended return upon the morrow, I encountered the narrative I have already transcribed the name of the unfortunate young woman connected with it forcibly arrested my attention i recollected it immediately as one belonging to a parishioner of my own and at once recognised the original of the female portrait as its owner i rose not from the perusal of his very singular statement till i had gone through the whole of it it was late and the rays of the single lamp by which i was reading did but very faintly illumine the remoter parts of the room in which i sat the brilliancy of an unclouded november moon then some twelve nights old and shining full into the apartment did much towards remedying the defect my thoughts filled with the melancholy details i had read i rose and walked to the window the beautiful planet rose high in the firmament and gave to the snowy roofs of the houses and pendant icicles, all the sparkling radiance of clustering gems. The stillness of the scene harmonized well with the state of my feelings. I threw open the casement and looked abroad. Far below me, the water of the principal canal shone like a broad mirror in the moonlight. To the left rose the Bercht, a huge round tower of remarkable appearance. Pierced with embrasures at its summit, while a little to the right and in the distance the spire and pinnacles of the cathedral of Leiden rose in all their majesty, presenting a coup d'oeil of surpassing though simple beauty. To a spectator of calm, unoccupied mind the scene would have been delightful. On me it acted with an electric effect. I turned hastily to survey the apartment in which I had been sitting it was the one designated as the study of the late frederick s the sides of the room were covered with dark wainscot the spacious fireplace opposite to me with its polished andirons was surmounted by a large old-fashioned mantelpiece heavily carved in the dutch style with fruits and flowers above it frowned a portrait in a van dyck dress with a peaked beard and moustaches one hand of the figure rested on a table, while the other bore a marshal's staff, surmounted with a silver falcon, and either my imagination, already heated by the scene, deceived me, or a smile, as of malicious triumph, curled the lip, and glared in the cold leaden eye that seemed fixed upon my own. The heavy antique cane-backed chairs, the large oaken table, The bookshelves, the scattered volumes, all, all were there, while to complete the picture, to my right and left, as half-breathless I leaned my back against the casement, rose on each side a tall, dark, ebony cabinet, in whose polished sides the single lamp upon the table shone reflected as in a mirror. What am I to think? can it be that the story i have been reading was written by my poor friend here and under the influence of delirium impossible besides they all assure me that from the fatal night of his arrival he never left his bed never put pen to paper his very directions to have me summoned from england were verbally given during one of those few and brief intervals in which reason seemed partially to resume her sway can it then be possible that w where is he who alone may be able to throw light on this horrible mystery no one knows he absconded it seems immediately after the duel no trace of him exists nor after repeated and anxious inquiries can i find that any student has ever been known in the university of Leiden by the name of francis summers there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. End of section 15